Welcome to Dose of Support. We are an interdisciplinary show that highlights healthcare workers. We share stories and self-care in healthcare every week. I'm your host, Dr. Vanessa Casper, a nurse practitioner and a healthcare worker just like you. Remember, I'm not your healthcare provider. Our guests are not your healthcare provider, and we're not giving healthcare advice here. Seek out care from your own healthcare provider. This podcast, host, guests, and associated social media platforms are not representing an employer or organization. It's hard out there, so let's find some self-care in healthcare. Stay tuned. Welcome back, Dosies, to the end of February. Can you believe it? I just don't even know how we got here. Well, this is the huddle. If you haven't listened to Dose of Support before, I always check in with the community here before we go into the interview. And last week, I talked about how I want to work on decision fatigue. And if you follow me on social media at all, you know that I did post some ideas and things that I've identified in myself. And I wanted to kind of drop that here. Like, I am a good planner, but I do better and remember things better when I write write it down. And so I'm wondering if I should make like like a physical journal, but it's literally like just as a planner. And I don't want a calendar. I just want like a weekly list. And so that is something I'm going to look into in order to like in order to have less decisions later. I kind of want to plan one week ahead so that I just feel like it's taken care of. I am going to work on that. Another life update is that last weekend we toured three different homes. If you have been a long-time listener, you know that we sold our home in like last July 2020 and have been with family and like cohorting with family during the pandemic. And we've just been waiting for the right thing to come along and the market has been really slow. And then all of a sudden, three houses that we really liked came up and we're actually putting, we we put an offer in and we're waiting to find out to see, maybe by the time this episode drops, we will know, but I'm still just like, oh my God, nervous. This could be the one, but it's also exciting because it'll be the next step. So that is what is going on over here with me. I, and I'm just like, oh my God, it's the end of February. Now, speaking of that, Dr. V and I recorded this episode a long time ago, and I've just been waiting for the right time to use it. It's really good. Um, So I hope you get a lot out of this episode. And thank you so much again for choosing Dose of Support to spend some of your time with today. All right, I will talk to you again next week. Welcome back to Dose of Support. She's Latina, a mama, a doctor nurse in endocrinology, and a career coach at The Clinician Life. And today, she'll share a story about getting stuck and finding inspiration. Welcome, Dr. Veronica Sempayo. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you. Well, I am so excited to have another doctor nurse on the show. And I throw around my doctor, like, so proudly. Um, And 
I, I see all of your stuff on Instagram and I think you do too. And I think you're really trying to elevate the nurse practitioner profession. Um, and I really, I really like to see that. So that's one reason why I wanted to have you on the show, but can you explain a little bit about how you became a nurse practitioner? What, what the trajectory is? Oh, yeah, for sure. So I actually became a nurse um, back in 2008 because my husband at the time, um, or still is my husband, but um, he had cancer. And right earlier in our marriage, he was going through chemotherapy. Oh, my God. Yeah. And I saw the inspiration from like, I was so inspired by the nurses that took care of us and what an impact they had. And one particular oncology nurse practitioner really advocated for us like I had never even known somebody would do. And she just inspired me. And I said, you know what, this is what I'm meant to do. I want to be that for somebody. So I went to nursing school and right out of nursing school, I ended up um, going into oncology. I did that for a few years before I went back and became um, a nurse practitioner. And I did the bachelor's to doctoral program, and I did a Mm -hmm. dual concentration where I did oncology concentration in addition to the adult gerontology primary care. So, um, you know, after I graduated, my all my goals was always to be in oncology. And, um, you know, I it didn't work out right away, I ended up going into primary care, which was nice, because I had that option, right? It wasn't always gonna, I wasn't always, you know, have that definite like definity to stay in oncology. I had the option to go into primary care. So I did. And I didn't, I didn't like it as much as I thought I would. (laughs) Primary care. I mean, that's where I work and it's like, it's nuts. Um, And I just want to say like, I have the same, so there's lots of different types of nurse practitioners for people that are listening. What Veronica is saying is that she did an adult and geriatric focus. And a lot of people have heard of FNP family nurse practitioner. But I I actually, I'm an adult gero nurse practitioner as well. And it's because I never wanted to take care of kids ever, ever, ever. ever exactly. Ever. <laughs> like, like you, I never wanted to touch a, a child that was sick. <laughs> so you start working in primary care and eventually you switch and now you're in endocrinology. So tell me what a day in the life as an endocrinology nurse practitioner is like. Yeah. So I, in my DNP project, um, I studied or I worked for um, evaluating hyperglycemia in cancer patients. So I would see that there's a lot of diabetics that were um, our cancer patients. And of course, with all the steroids, their blood sugars would be out of control. So it was always an interest for me. So I always said, you know, if I don't do oncology, I would do endocrinology. So you know, the position kind of presented itself and I took it and I really do like it. And right now, because of the pandemic, everything is telemedicine right now. So, Mm -hmm. um, it's, it's, for me, it's fun because I, I am in the clinic, but I'm on, you know, I'm on, I'm on an iPhone or I'm on a video chat and, um, I just have fun with my patients, even if we are not in person and, and I really do, I, I love it. So we're seeing, uh, thyroid, patients, we're seeing diabetics, we're seeing um, adrenal insufficiency, um, you know, really specialized. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I, my favorite is thyroid. I would, I would have thought it would have been diabetes, but I just, I really love thyroid patients. I don't know what it is. <laughs> I love managing thyroid patients. I'm yeah. going to call you whenever I have an issue. Um, <laughs> do you see 
yourself represented in the media. You are a clinician. You have a doctorate. You're Latina. Like, are you like, you know how like there's that Virgin River show on Netflix that has like a midwife, women's health nurse practitioner. Like there's, there's not really a lot of NPs. So what do you see? You know, honestly, I don't see very many Hispanic NPs at all. Um, I I have a few friends of mine just because you you tend to gravitate toward each other (laughs) when you find someone that uh, that is like you. Um, However, and and I've always tried to very much mentor other Hispanic uh, nurse practitioners or nurses and really encourage uh, Latinas, but I don't, I don't, because I don't see very many. And, and I do see that there is a need, there's a gap, um, particularly for our culture. Um, our, our Hispanic culture is very different in the foods that we eat and the way that we approach our healthcare. Um, so a lot of times, um, it's almost like it takes one to know one, you know what I mean? Um, yeah, it it really does. And, and even just, you know, with my own parents' health, you know, I just, you know, trying to, trying to navigate their health and their beliefs about healthcare and their beliefs about, um, how they care for themselves. My dad is a diabetic, so, you know, um, I'm, I'm always learning about, uh, you know, our culture. I, I actually was born here in the United States. Um, I was born in Orlando and, I've never really been, um, my parents are Colombian. I've never been to Colombia. Uh, but I think that, uh, they're there. I do speak Spanish. So I, I, I am representing my, my culture every time I, I go to work and I, and I do feel like there should be more, um, there should be more, there really should be more. That's why but... you're here, man. <laughs> like yes. we, we, we need people who look like our patients yeah. to be in service, but what an, what a special gift that you can bring to your patients that you can see them in a way that maybe a white person wouldn't. Oh my gosh. Every day. Oh, every time I have a Hispanic patient and I'll, and I just kind of greet them in Spanish, or if I see they're just struggling in English, the look on their face is like of this huge relief, like, Oh, thank God. You know, <laughs> like yeah. they are so grateful to have somebody that can understand their language and understand you know, what, what they're going through and, and their, and what they eat and things like that. So a hundred percent, it, it really is. Um, it's really nice. And I, and I, and I do see it in my patients' faces. Awesome thing for you to call out. We need more of that. What can, um, people that are not Latino, what can, what can we do us white folk? What can we do to help the Latino population have better health? I think um, I think understanding that there is um, a lot of times some disparities in health literacy. I think that um, giving a little bit more time to understanding that they may not have the same um, education when it comes to healthcare, that their thought process is different. Um, you know, particularly if they're coming from a different country, I I, I feel like. Um, knowing the kinds of foods that they eat, you know, their, their lifestyle, it's mm-hmm. different. It's very different from, you know, um, the, the Caucasian culture or the American culture. So in particular food where our, our, uh, our culture and our everyday is, is around food. So what kind of food are they eating? And also understanding, you know, that you have to take the time to ask them the questions, you know, not, I think that a lot of times 
if, you know, you, you just assume they're taking medications. And a lot of times the, the Hispanics won't take their medications because they don't understand why they're taking them, um, oh, okay. especially if there's a, a language barrier. So really taking the time, I think, to ensure that the education that you're giving them is truly understood. Well, that's very good advice. And so with that, we are going to take a break. And when we come back, Dr. V is going to share a story from her practice and some self-care. So stay tuned. Welcome back to Dose of Support, and we have our Dr. Veronica Sampaio, our nurse practitioner who works in endocrinology, and she's also a career coach with The Clinician Life. She's going to share a story with us that's inspirational after feeling stuck, and so take it away, Veronica. Thank you. Um, so as as I've always been a change agent, I've always approached my work um, with an eye for improvement. So anytime I was in any position, I'm always like, what can we make better? So, you know, I, after leaving primary care, I ended up going in back into the organization that I was in oncology, that position that I was um, waiting for ended up opening up and I, wow, yes, I went right into it and I loved it. And I did that for a couple of years and, and I really enjoyed it. I was able to create a position from scratch, really loved it. And I loved, I was part of improvement processes and kind of doing all the things that DNPs do. Right. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, there was an opportunity for, uh, leadership for an APP manager for the organization. And, you know, as a DNP, again, that was like the perfect opportunity for me. And I was like, I want to make change on a bigger and grander scale. Mm -hmm. And, you know, with all new things, I think that there is, you know, always going to be ups and downs and there's going to be some pros and cons. Um, But I, I applied and I was super excited and I actually got the position. And I hadn't been an NP that long, maybe a little under three years when I took that position. And, um, you know, I, I thoroughly enjoyed making the change. I I enjoyed getting to meet other APPs, learning about the organization and how all the different APPs work. So an APP is, um, an advanced practice provider. So that's going to include nurse practitioners and physician's assistants. So, um, for me, I was the medical manager of all five hospitals for all the medicine side of, um, APPs. Wow. So how many employees were under you? So to begin with, it was 70. Wow. That's a lot. Yes. And in the matter, in a matter of a year, it ended up being a hundred plus. So I onboarded 30 APPs and you know, that was all credentialing. I mean, interviewing all of that, onboarding all of that. So I learned a ton and a lot of what I learned uh, was there's such a gap in the transition from a new grad nurse practitioner to actual practice. Um, 
lack of really understanding what's going to be expected of you, what the employer is looking for. And, and I think that there is a lack of employer knowledge of what the nurse practitioner actually um, gets in school. Right. Can do exactly. Um, Particularly physicians. I worked really closely with a lot of physicians, chiefs, um, directors, and, you know, I, I started to kind of assess and they're like, they didn't know, they don't know what a difference between an FNP and an adult can do. And they think a nurse practitioner is a nurse practitioner, not not realizing there's acute care, you know, there's pediatrics, there's, there's women's health. There's so many different, um, avenues that, that a nurse practitioner can, can specialize in. But Mm -hmm. I ended up, um, you know, trying to be everything to everybody. And I burnt out so quickly in that job. And, um, you know, I think that there was a lack of self-care and I think that there was a lack of, um, support support right exactly it sounds like you were in you were kind of like this leader but there wasn't anyone supporting you and you had all of these people to worry about yes exactly and and I had leaders that were trying to get help but I think that it was it was just wasn't fast enough the the amount of growth that we were experiencing I couldn't catch catch up even with support. I I began to be able to hire supervisors under me. Um, However, even with that, it was still a lot of responsibility and just really a lot of burnout. I was working 60 to 70 hours. My hair was starting to fall out. I was starting to have like dizziness and, and, you know, I'm, I'm an achiever, you know, and I think that a lot of clinicians are, and, you know, I was working everything I could so that I didn't fail. I didn't want I did. I wanted to be there for my team. I didn't want my. I wanted my APPs to feel supported. Um, I did. You know, is is that mm kind of why you felt stuck? Like you, you didn't want to leave the position, but you also like, like were suffering. (laughs) A hundred percent. A hundred percent. I loved. I loved the APPs that I had, and I loved building relationships. That's 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 me. I love building relationships. And, um, it, I really felt stuck because it was, you know, I can't keep up. I've got a family, I've got small kids. I mean, I would wake up at 6am on Saturdays and Sundays just to get work done so that my family wouldn't see me working on the weekends, you know, and sometimes I would work through the weekend and they, they would see me, you know, and, um, it was affecting my home life. Um, I, I couldn't concentrate anymore. And I think those are signs of burnout. You can't concentrate your obviously your hair starts falling out. Um, yeah, dude, like that's, there's your sign. Yeah. Physical, you know, stress symptoms. And I just, um, I couldn't, I couldn't keep up anymore. And, you know, it, it, as I was already starting to look for other jobs, there was like this tragedy in my life where my mother-in-law suddenly passed away. Um, and you know, it kind of threw our family for a loop. So, you know, as I, had all of this pull towards my job that really needed all of me. Now my family's in crisis and I'm in crisis. And it's like, I can't, I can't do all of that. You know, I can't, I'm not living a healthy life as it is in this job, but now you throw in something as tragic as a loss. Um, I, I really couldn't, couldn't keep up. So, you know, I, I began looking and, you know, I talked with my husband and, and I just wanted to do my own thing. And, and I wanted to really look at um, how can I continue to do the things I love out of this job as a manager, 
but do it on my own terms. And that's, that's really where the clinician life was born. And, you know, it was how can I help APPs? How can I help nurse practitioners and physicians assistants and coach them and help them with their resumes and, and really, um, you know, get them to, to really set them up for success. Right, exactly. Develop professionally and in the transition so that they can be successful and give them some insight that I've learned and what I've done. So, um, and that's what I'm doing now. And I ended up leaving the job and I started working part-time in endocrinology. Again, like I said, with an amazing physician, amazing group. And, um, and I do my clinician life as full-time. So I love what I'm doing. Um, I look back and I feel like I've learned so many lessons about, you know, how to treat myself and how to set boundaries. Um, and people will test your boundaries, right? They, they, yeah. they, will, your employer is going to test your boundaries. But if you don't know yourself and you don't, and sometimes if you haven't experienced burnout or, you know, things close to it, then you don't really know what your limits are, you know? Mm-hmm. So I think that I have, um, gained so much insight and so much knowledge how to prevent burnout now um, and really how to um, how to take care of yourself so that you I don't ever experience that again. <laughs> yeah, and I don't think that you're alone in that, but I particularly like your mention of all this work you did as a leader. So a lot of your leadership work was not really clinical. It was personnel management and practice management. Um, and you you really saw the problems that people face at a, at oh a high gosh. level. Yes. And so I think your work now as this career coach is coming from that place. Like, you know what people are going to go through when they enter the workforce. Exactly. And that's why you can give this great advice. And it sounds like what you went through personally um, was the catalyst exactly. for, for you to have to make a change. And I actually really like the idea of like, two gigs like you you kind of have like you have this clinical aspect where you're working in endocrinology and you're seeing patients and you're keeping your skills up and then you're also doing work with clients for resumes and getting them career ready and um so I think that that is another thing that people can think about is having having another gig or or having like two part-time gigs because sometimes the variety is what people need to not burn out. Um, so can you speak a little bit to self-care? It sounds like you experienced this tragedy and you were in a really dark time with your family right. and really stressed out. How did you overcome that? And what do you do now to maintain your self-care? So um, my sister actually... Um, after everything happened, my she gifted me a personal development conference. And, you know, she saw me struggling. I mean, I wanted to leave healthcare altogether after oh everything gosh. happened. I was like, what can I do? Can I sell glasses online? Like, what can I do? Oh, my gosh. I was like, I will work at 7-Eleven. I don't want to do this anymore. I just want to oh. run away. I wanted to run away. And what a loss. That would have been such a loss to the profession. Oh. Like, we need you. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think she, she was very, um, my, because my sister and I are very close and she was so gracious. She's like, let's just go and do a personal development class. You are not leaving nursing. You have a doctoral degree, like relax, you know, <laughs> but, <laughs> um, you know, but I think that, um, 
she it was like the best gift because um I don't know if you've ever heard of Rachel Hollis but um she put I on this, yeah she put this personal development conference called Rise I went to the Fort Myers Rise conference in uh, January of this year it really changed my perspective it just really um showed me about my value and my worth and how to set boundaries for yourself and how to dream for yourself so I think that ever since I I left the conference, I made a commitment to never going back to feeling the way that I felt. Um, and I, I'm, I am a personal development, like junkie. I'm always trying to listen <laughs> to podcasts. I'm always trying to read books. Like there's, there's, I think that staying on top of your own development, your own self-care so that it's constantly in your head. Like I'm constantly listening. If I'm folding clothes, I'm listening to something that is going to encourage me. Um, I, I don't watch any TV. I try not to watch any of the news. It's that was stressing me out too. <laughs> like all of this Corona stuff. It's, it's like, the, I mean, how much of this can you listen to before you really start to have some physical stress from that, you know? Yeah. So can you give our listeners some book recommendations if you've been reading? Oh, yeah. Um, so High Performance Habits by Brendan Burchard was a really good one um, that I just uh, that I just read. Um, right now I'm, I'm listening and I listen and I, I don't read. I, I, because like I said, you I do audio books. Yeah, I do audio books yeah. on audible yeah. just because I, I don't have the time to just sit and, and read. I, like I said, I'm washing clothes or I'm up and about. So, um, how, how to win friends and influence people is one, uh, that I'm listening to. It's an old one, but it's highly recommended. Girl, wash your face by Rachel Hollis is, is a good one. <laughs> I like that one. I've heard of that one. I haven't read it, but I've heard of that one. So those are some really good recommendations. So it sounds like you really set boundaries for yourself and then you always, it's become part of your lifestyle to self-care like it's you you don't you don't just like oh I gotta remember to meditate today like it's more like it's part of you're gonna turn on your audiobook while you do whatever you're gonna you know like it's woven into your life absolutely Um, and and you know I think also is setting boundaries with your employer right so I committed to I'm a I'm a yes person. I don't like to upset people. I don't like confrontation. And I think that was a, a big problem of mine with the with my past job because I couldn't say no. I, it was really difficult for me to say no. So it's always like, yes, I'll take that. Yes, I'll do that. Yes, I'll go there. And you know, I found myself running myself into the ground. So um, I think with this new position, even with a great position that I have, um, it is these are the boundaries. These, this is my limits. And I'm, and I am, I respect myself enough that I'm not going to let myself break those promises to myself. Um, particularly working late, right? I promise my, myself that I'm going to be home to eat dinner with my family every night, you know? So that is a commitment that I've made to myself. And, and, and I think, you know, setting those boundaries clearly up front in, in this position, I told my boss, I said, look, this is important to me. My family is number one. Um, my, I'm, you know, uh, they are number one at all times, no matter if I'm here or if I'm home. And I think that she really respects that. And, um, I think that in order for you to prevent burnout, that's important to have everybody around you know what your boundaries and limits are. So speaking of like when you're at home and you're working, 
Tell me more about the services that Clinician Life brings for people. Yeah, so I do resume writing, um, in particular designer resumes. So um, I actually just posted in my stories one of the designer resumes that I did for an aesthetics um, APP, and it came out beautiful. So really, it is um, designed according to the person. So I get on Zoom calls with with uh, nurse practitioners and clinicians and really just get to know them as a clinician, get to know what their goals are, get to know where, you know, what they want um, out of a job. And then I tailor the resume according to what they're looking for so that um, it matches perfectly with the, the positions that they're applying for. And clearly, like, you're qualified to do that because you hired APPs. Like, you, so I, I want the listeners to kind of like think about that. That if you, if you're out there trying to get into the workforce and you might need help, like, this is, this is somebody that hired people and looked at these resumes and decided yes or no. Girl. And so, like, you, you've got it. Like, you, you've got the thing yes. that people would need. Let me tell um, but you. But anyway, the, continue. Yeah, the resumes that I would see, and this is where I'm talking about the gap that I would see. I mean, there was, it was, it was, they were littered with, like, errors and grammatical errors and misspellings. I mean, sometimes even email addresses that were wrong. And, and so I was like, gosh, you know, maybe there's not enough I don't think that we learned this. I think that we're, as clinicians, we're always so focused on the medical side of things, right? Yeah, the clinical stuff. Right, exactly. We're not so much focused on the professionalism, not so focused on, you know, interview techniques. And and that's really where I come in. So um, I I really teach you what they're going to be asking. I do interview preparation. I do mock interviewing. I also build portfolios. I'll tell you, having a portfolio is like it, it will blow the employer out of the water. People don't do that, you know? And yeah. if you have an, a really a great, robust portfolio that you can present that is customized to your, um, your experience, uh, you know, it, it really makes a, a great impression. That's awesome. So I think we should share how people can find you, even if they just want to like follow your work. How do they do that? Yes. So I am at the clinician life on Instagram and on Facebook. I am on facebook.com slash the clinician life. Okay. So you guys can just reach out to Dr. Veronica directly. Thank you so much, Dr. V for joining us today. Thank you for having me. Yeah. Listeners, we will see you next week. You can extend a dose of support even further by visiting us on Facebook, Instagram, on our website, or by giving us a rating or review. You can always support the show monetarily on patreon.com slash dose of support. Dose of support is written, organized, emails, edited, produced, published, all the things by me, Vanessa Casper, with exclusive music by John Schreier. I'm punching out this week but I will be back in your ears next week for another Dose of Support.